Do please be seated. We're going to have our readings, and actually there's two readings which Julia's going to bring for us. They're both short. Uh, rather than perhaps trying to jump from passage to passage in a Bible, can I ask you, focus on the Philippians one. We'll have listen to the John one, but uh, so maybe uh, that's the one to particularly focus on this morning. So the first reading is from John chapter 14, verses 25 to 27 which is on page 1083. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And the second reading, as we know, is Philippians 4, 4 4-7, which is 1181. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Great. It'd be brilliant if you could keep that passage in Philippians open in front of you. Let me pray. Loving Father, please would you open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your words. And Father, please would you then transform our hearts that we're able to live in humble obedience and day-to-day experience of all that we read here. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. If God could give you one thing, anything right now, what would it be? Have a think. If God could give you one thing, anything right now, what would it be? That was the question that we asked, I think, on the first session of uh, the Life Explored course that we did earlier this year. And uh, when I asked both groups, two themes came out time and time again. The first theme was this contentment. I would ask for contentment. And the second thing was peace of mind. I would ask for peace of mind. Which is why today, and then the first Sunday in July, I've chosen to focus on those two issues, two issues which I think many of us share, are longing for. And then I wonder, how does the Christian faith speak into those? Today, peace of mind. And literally, as I was writing, typing those words into my computer, a pop-up came up on the screen. And in the little pop-up, it said this, your PC suffers from clutter and slowdown. Fix the following problems for smoother performance. And I thought to myself, that is a word from the Lord. (laughs) What an apt description of our lives. Suffering from clutter and slowdown. So much going on, we're busy people. And busy people soon become stressed people. 
and stressed people are often worried people. We worry about jobs. Seems to me from all the people I talk to, more is expected in less time by less people. Families, we worry about our families, Sal said it. We worry about our children. Those others of us, as well as worrying about our children, we start to worry about our elderly parents. We worry about money, the mortgage, pensions. Who's going to pay for the care when we can't look after ourselves when we have to sell our home? Our health, we worry about that operation, that diagnosis we never saw coming. The memory loss, and we start to worry, is this leading to something else? Others having to care for those who have dementia and other life-limiting conditions. And that's just the local stuff. And then we worry about world issues, global terrorism, which, again, hit our streets last night. North Korea flexing its muscles. All the uncertainty around Brexit. And if that's not bad enough, we also have a tendency to borrow worries, don't we? That's uh, to imagine that things are worse than they actually are. It was Keats who said... Imaginary grievances have always been my torment more than real ones. I mean, which is worse? The actual injection in the dentist's chair or the anticipation as you walk into the antiseptic smelling reception, sign in and sit there listening to the noises coming out of the, uh, the rooms. Yeah, I can see by the looks on your faces. And then you sit in the chair surrounded by those ominous instruments. Sometimes the imagined fears can be worse than the reality. And anxieties and stresses take their toll on us. Many of us find it a struggle to stop worrying. Even Christians who have read those words that we've just read over and over again struggle to stop worrying. And we very easily go into slowdown. We struggle to sleep. We struggle to function well. 45% of all working days are lost to ill health, that are lost to ill health are stress-related illness. 40% of world disabilities are depression and anxiety. 30%, I read, of mental health cases seen by GPs relates to anxiety. And it's not getting better. The rate of anxiety in Britain has risen 12% in the last 14 years. And worry is exhausting, isn't it? Someone once said, it's like revving your engine of your car whilst in neutral. It uses lots of fuel, but ultimately it gets you nowhere. Well, no wonder many of us long for peace of mind. Relief from stress and anxiety and worry. And so today there's a booming industry. Relaxation techniques, mindfulness, meditation, adult colouring books, talking therapies, medication. And I don't want to diss any of those. There is hopefulness in all of them, and I have used some of them. But I want to share with you that extraordinary promise that we find in the Bible. The promise of an extraordinary peace in Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's an incredibly powerful picture, the peace of God guarding your hearts and minds. It is the most powerful picture because the word there, guard, literally means a garrison is set up. 
Literally, the troops are sent in, is exactly what it means. It brings up the image of a walled city under attack. And yet posted around that wall are a very strong guard, soldiers on every weak point. A strong guard that simply means the enemy cannot get in. No matter how much they're screaming, no matter how much they're firing arrows, no matter how threatening they seem, no matter how vulnerable we feel inside those walls, the guard that has been posted makes that city impenetrable. (coughs) The promise of this verse is that God himself will stand guard of our hearts and our minds. Hearts and minds is Bible language for the inner me, the person I am inside, my thoughts, my emotions, my plans. It is an image, yes, so much threatens us, so much threatens to assault us, all stuff going on around us, but the promise is that in Jesus, we can experience a deep sense of security and protection in the midst of our fears and stresses and uncertainties. And I ask, is that something you long for? Is that something you long to experience day by day? Well, that is what the Bible promises. Maybe you say, well, that's a great idea, but surely that's just wishful thinking. Yeah, it's a lovely idea, but it's never been my experience. And, well, I can't must believe that perhaps it was easy for Paul. Paul, perhaps his life wasn't as stressful as mine. Well, remember, Paul is writing this letter while he's in prison, and there's a real possibility that he might be executed any day. In my book, that's stressful. He's writing to a group of Christians who are living under very difficult circumstances. They're experiencing extreme poverty, hunger, they've been ostracised, they're losing their jobs and their businesses, they're under constant surveillance and are under threat for being Christians. I think these people knew what stress was like, don't you? And yet he makes a promise to them. In the midst of the most stressful of times, it is possible to experience a deep sense of peace and well-being. Not through human wisdom and techniques. This is a peace that transcends all understanding. It's not based on human wisdom or human technique or human counselling or human advice. Not that those things aren't helpful, but... The peace we genuinely long for will not come through those things. It is a supernatural peace. A peace that comes from Jesus himself. Jesus said in that little passage that uh, Julia read for us from John's Gospel, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. Peace is not something we can generate ourselves. It is a gift, a supernatural gift from Jesus himself. The question is, how do we begin to experience it? And I wonder if the key doesn't lie in four words that we find tucked away in that verse, those verses from Philippians. It's there at the end of verse 5. The Lord is near. It's really odd the way that little verse comes up, isn't it, in the middle of it, those four, four words. The Lord is near. And I think that's the key to it. Peace of mind, peace of heart comes through a deep living, day-by-day awareness of just how close the Lord Jesus is to us right now. Do you know about the most scary thing that I've ever done is free-fall skydiving. Launching yourself out of a plane at 12,000 feet, no parachute open, hurtling towards the ground at 120 miles an hour. Gosh, it focuses the minds. 
But you know, when I jumped out of that plane, I have to be honest, I felt an extraordinary sense of peace and calm. You know, I, I, I can't go and stand on the edge of even quite, a, you, know, you know, look over the edge of a cliff. In fact, when Fran did that once, she walked to the edge of a cliff, I found myself lying on the floor saying, come back, come back. You know, I have fear of heights. And yet there I was, 12,000 feet up, sat on the edge of a plane looking down. I often ask myself why. I think it's because I spent the previous hour with a guy who'd be jumping with me. In fact, to whom I'd be attached. He told me how many thousands of times he had done it, and he clearly survived every single one of them. He told me how much he loved it. He taught me through how everything works. And he did it all with a big smile on his face. He was so excited to be doing it. And he showed me why it was safe. So the moment I sat on the edge of that plane looking down, what really mattered to me was this bloke who had faced it all before and knew what he was doing was strapped to my back. He was near. He was very near. And it transformed the way I felt as I sat on the edge of that plane. It was the most exhilarating thing I have ever done. I loved every second of it. See, today is Pentecost Sunday. And it has the theme of one amazing truth. And that is this, that the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Today, right now, here, near to us, God is not just up there somewhere. Isn't it amazing how often when we're going through the stresses and the struggles and the pains, we often say God seems a million miles away. He feels a million miles away. How many of us ever say that? And yet the great truth of this passage is this. He is nearer than you could ever believe. He is closer than you could ever believe. The Lord is near. God's empowering presence with us. The presence of God's Holy Spirit. It is literally like having Jesus right there, right beside us, each and every day, facing every single thing that we face. You see, that's what Jesus is telling his disciples in that passage from John 14. He's told them that he's gonna, he has to go away in order that he can send the Holy Spirit. The problem with Jesus being still on earth was this. He could only be in one place at one time. So he said, it's better that I go. Why? Because when I go, the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit, which is my presence with you wherever you are, at any time, in any place. Present with you. Which is why Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as being another counsellor or comforter. And the word comforter doesn't mean somebody just goes there, there and pats us on the head. The word comforter means literally the one who comes alongside to help. It was used of uh, when boats were trying to come into harbour and it was really dangerous because they might get splashed up onto the rocks as they came in. And so a small tug or a small boat was sent out to come alongside and guide the big ship in safely into harbour. That is the image of the Holy Spirit. It is God literally coming alongside us as close as that, guiding us through the rockiness, the struggle, the stress, the strain. Jesus, who healed the sick, who opened the eyes of the blind, who released the mentally oppressed, who fed crowds with a packed lunch, who stilled a storm with a word, who told a dead man to walk out of a tomb, who himself, three days after death, walked and talked and walked through doors 
and appeared to hundreds. The Jesus who has power over everything that causes us pain and fear and stress and worry and anxiety is the very Jesus who can be with us right now by the presence of his Holy Spirit. (coughs) The Lord is near. He is literally right with us, setting up guard around our hearts and our minds, putting the garrison up, pointing the troops to stand there. And therefore that peace becomes a reality the more we become aware of Jesus being close to us. You see, as I sat on that plane, all I could think was listening to the voice of the one who was whispering in my ear, do this, do that, hold on, wait for me to tell you what to do. At one point as we were dropping and the parachute went up, he said, I need you to stand on my feet because I need to unclip myself from you. That is an unnerving thing. (laughs) But I stood on his feet in midair and lifted myself up because I trusted every word he told me. I did every word he told me because I knew he knew what to do. Let me ask you today, do you know Jesus that close to you? Do you know the presence of God's Holy Spirit with you? During that first Pentecost Sunday, there was a great crowd, many of them very religious people, but they suddenly realised they didn't know the presence of God with them in that way. They'd been incredibly religious. And yet they knew that they needed to discover that intimate relationship with Jesus close to them. And they said, how can we have it? And Peter, who was speaking, said, there is one thing that stands in your way. It is this, it is a willingness to admit that we need Jesus close to us. See, the problem of humankind has always been that we believe that we can do life without God. That has always been the human problem. We face our problems without God. And in fact, what we do is most of us blame him for our problems when they come along, don't we? And yet actually, the reason why we have so many of the issues we have is because we've decided that we would do life without God. It is like me going to the aircraft hangar, grabbing the parachute, telling the instructor, I don't need you, I'm going to do it on my own. My friends, it will end in a mess. And that is the reality of the much of the mess of this world and the mess of our lives is because we've simply chosen to live at a distance from the God who longs to be so close. The God who longs to bring peace and security and fulfilment. And even those of us who have been Christians, and maybe so, you don't mind me saying it, but many of us have had that experience where we've walked through the week and just not paid God much attention at all. And no wonder we struggle. No wonder the fears start to overwhelm. Because we're not listening to the one who's so close, whispering in our ears. It's okay, I'm here. And on Pentecost Sunday, Peter said to the crowd, it can change. You just need to repent. And that word repent means change your mind. Think differently. Recognise that you cannot just do it on your own. Admit you need the forgiveness for doing it alone. And recognise you need the presence of Jesus in your life day by day. And he said, if you do that, then you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence of the living God will come right into your life right now. He will set up that guard around your hearts and your minds. I wonder if that's ever something you've done. 
can I encourage you today, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said yes to his presence coming and being at the very heart of your life, then do so, please. We're running this course called Life Explored 2, which is just a continuation. You may want to come and find out more about Jesus. Come and talk to me after this service. But I do want to say something else, which is this. That is, sometimes uh, the danger is we become very passive about this whole idea of peace of mind. That is, it is a gift from Jesus. It is something he gives. And we almost sit there going, well, come on, Jesus, make me peaceful. Make me feel it. Whereas actually, when you read this uh, passage, you discover Paul is saying that actually receiving that extraordinary uh, gift of peace of mind involves some obligations on our part as well. Four, very quickly. The first is rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And you may go, what? When I'm under stress? When life is tough, you expect me to be joyful? And I sense that Paul knows that's what someone's going to say, which is why he says, rejoice in the Lord always. No, I say it again, rejoice, because he knows they're going, no way. How does that work? Except you remember when Paul was in Philippi, when he planted this church, he ended up in prison. Does anyone remember what he did in prison? They sang. They prayed and they sang hymns. And do you remember what happened then? The gates opened. (laughs) They were released. They sang. See, Paul knows what it's like. He's been in the most stressful situation. And what did he do? He sang hymns. Why did he sing hymns? Bored, nothing else to do while in prison? No. Because he needed to remind himself constantly who God is, the character of God, what God's done. Great is your faithfulness, O God my Father. How great thou art. Our hymns and our songs are enormous gifts to us in a stressful, busy world. Because they contain for us truths that we need to be reminded of day by day by day. And I think Paul is saying... Learn to sing. Stock up the hymns inside you. Stock up the choruses. And praise God. Make yourself sing when life is tough. Remind yourself again and again of the truths of God's character. Secondly, be gentle with others. That may seem a very odd thing. How does being gentle with others bring me peace of mind? And I suddenly thought about this. When you're stressed, who suffers? When you're stressed, who bears the brunt of it? Your family and friends around you, don't they? That's what happens in my house. When I'm stressed, everybody else suffers. Because I'm grouchy. I'm grumpy. I lose my temper. I'm short with people. Why? Because when we get stressed, often we turn in on ourselves. Isn't that the reality? We become oblivious to everybody else around us. And they just become an annoyance because they don't understand or they're just not doing what I need to fit in. And I sense Paul is saying, become other people aware. There are moments when Fran and I are, I know you can't believe that we have stressful times or we lose temper with each other. I know we're the perfect couple. We're not. And often in the middle of it, there's this... But sometimes comes a moment, a little smile that comes on one of our faces as as we kind of realise... Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just being really ridiculous. I'm being so stressful and I just need to stop. And it just kind of bursts the bubble and we all kind of calm down a little bit. Just being aware of others might be a key thing to peace of our own minds. 
Third, pray instead of worrying. He says, pray instead of worrying. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If worrying is revving the engine in neutral, then praying is pressing the clutch and putting it into gear. And I had exactly that yesterday. Having written this sermon, I got myself in a real pickle about something. And uh, I could just feel myself. And I just said to myself, press the clutch, put it in gear. And I just began to pray to turn all that energy that was just consuming me into energy that was going to bring something positive. So just entrust it all to God, to say, Lord, I can do nothing with this. This is just messing me up. I want to give it to you. And and, and Paul says, hand it all over, all of it. Don't be too proud. Isn't that the problem with us? We're too proud. We'll deal with it ourselves. And then finally, thanksgiving. Do it all with thanksgiving. You know, the problem that I discover about worry is I always lose perspective. When I am stressed, I always lose perspective. Everything is a disaster and everything is awful when I'm stressed. And sometimes we just need to be reminded things are never as bad as they look. And that's not just some platitude. (coughs) Actually, thanksgiving, saying to God, Lord, thank you. I know my children are causing me such stress, but goodness, thank you for them. Thank you for this land that I live in, that my children are not being brought up in a place where they are in fear of their lives every day. Lord, thank you for the blessings that come. Jesus longs to give us genuine peace of mind. It is a gift, a supernatural gift. And it's something we need to cultivate an awareness of Jesus, I think, to receive through our singing, through being aware of others, through turning our worry into praying and through thanking him daily for the extraordinary blessings he's given us. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, be with you in your hearts this day, I pray. Amen.